this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. In the last few weeks, we have looked at the very mission of Jesus. You remember that Jesus went to his hometown in order to clarify his mission. He went to the synagogue there in Nazareth, and he took a scripture from Isaiah, and he somehow, he he brought forth his mission. He clarified it for his people. It was a mission in which he was to declare the good news of the gospel. It was a, a mission in which he was to deliver the oppressed, the captive. And yes... It was a mission in which he would leave a healing presence in individuals' lives. Whether it was through touching them and bringing to them spiritual healing or whether it was touching them to bring them physical healing, Jesus left a healing presence wherever he went. And you know, God has called us to follow the mission of Christ and for us to proclaim the good news, for us to reach out to those who are captive and oppressed even this day. And he has called us to leave a healing, restorative presence in people's lives. I want you to see this morning, as we look at verses 38 through 44, how Jesus leaves a healing presence in those lives he comes into contact with. Notice verse 38, it says, Now he, that's Jesus, arose from the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife, mother, wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served him. When the sun was setting, all those who had, had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, Jesus was one of these individuals that somehow had a healing presence about him. And when he left individuals, when he left them, it appeared that he left them with a sense of that healing presence. I've always marveled at the way Jesus could do this. And for me personally, I've thought to myself, You know, God has called me to be a representative of Christ here on earth, and he's called you to do that. So how can we leave a healing presence when we come into contact with other individuals? I want to give you, hopefully, three three truths this morning, or three challenges this morning, in which we could leave a healing presence with others. One, as we are going about our business... I think it's very important for us to look for opportunities to leave a healing presence, that we ought to look for opportunities. Now, Jesus found an opportunity everywhere he went. Whether he was in the synagogue or he was by the sea, he found an opportunity to leave a healing presence. Even when that opportunity was very 
close to home. Notice verse 38, it says, after he left the synagogue there in Capernaum, he entered into Simon's house. Simon who? Well, Simon Peter. Simon Peter that will become one of his best friends will become one of his closest individuals, personal relationships that he'll have. He goes to Simon's house and he notes that Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. Now, perhaps this study, like no other, I have really noticed how uh, Dr. Luke uses his medical background, his medical expertise to give us a little insight into sickness and disease. When he speaks about a high fever, he is talking about one in medical terms that he speaks about this mega fever, if you will. Actually, in the Greek, it's like the megalo fever, the mega fever. You ever had one of those before? The high intense fever. Now, some of you know that this week uh, we struggled at our house just a little bit. Can we say that just a little bit? Uh, found out that I myself had the flu earlier in the week, and then it just went one by one through the household. You know the way it goes? Just every day there's another one that falls. Another one bites the dust, you know? We kept praying, Lord, please don't let Leslie come down with it. We had given up on the rest of us, but please, Lord, do not let Leslie come down with it. Because if Leslie comes down with it, We are done. It is finished. The household is. You understand what it's like to have fever and sickness. And it says that Simon's mother-in-law is sick. And here is Jesus walking into a house, walking into this place where his dear friend, one that will become one of the closest associates that he's ever had, he walks right in there, in order to deliver his healing presence to their lives. They made a request of him concerning her. They did. Maybe Simon Peter and his wife collectively say, Jesus, could you do something? Could you help us? I say to you that we need to make sure that we look for the opportunities that God gives us and recognize that some of those opportunities may be very close to our own home may be very close to our own relationships. I love this because here's Jesus. I mean, he's got so much on his plate. He's got so many things that he could be dealing with, and yet he is showing concern and compassion for Simon Peter's house, for one of his friends. And see, I think, it, I think we need to be reminded that sometimes God gives us an opportunity of ministry very close to home. And we should recognize that. So many of us, including myself, from time to time can see the need afar and yet forget the need near. What do I mean by that? Well, certainly there are needs afar. There are vast needs in Nicaragua. There are vast needs in Hungary. There are vast needs in the con- on the continent of Africa. There are needs everywhere. And many of us will sign up for those things and will participate as we should. But may I remind you this day that Jesus not only went 
to the places afar, but he found the opportunities that were right around him to make a difference. And for us, the mission is not just in these other countries, but our mission is right around us. And we need to look for opportunities. And we need not to neglect those that God presents right before us. It's so easy to overlook those opportunities and those ministry moments that we could have. I mean, Jesus could have looked at Simon Peter and said, Simon Peter, you know that if I go to your house and I help you a little bit, I will, I'll be charged with favoritism. I mean, I, I can't do that, Simon, because, you know, if I go to your house and I do something for you, people will say, oh, yes, yeah, just because of his relationship with Simon Peter. Jesus could have said something like, well, Simon Peter, you know, those are little things. I mean, I, I'm here to take care of the big things. You know, I'm here to die for sin. All, this other stuff and the sickness and all, those are so much smaller things. And, and, um, and, and Simon Peter, I just don't deal with those smaller things. But that's not the response or responses that Jesus gave. Rather, Jesus saw the opportunity of the moment. And he ministered. And notice here as well that he ministered to physical affliction. He looked at a person, again, that had sickness, a high fever. And he went to minister to her and to the family. Now, I don't know if I'd ever at least captured it this way in my mind. That Jesus here demonstrates his concern not only for the spiritual well-being of people, but he was concerned about the physical well-being of individuals. Now, I knew that. I mean, I've gone around and preached that before, but... I don't know if it ever really hit me as it did when I read this passage. That here's Jesus that just said he was going out on mission. And Dr. Luke recording how that mission takes place. That he comes to Simon Peter's house to see Simon Peter's mother-in-law. In order to, in order to minister to her physical affliction. See, to me, that's encouraging. It reminds me that God is not concerned just with our spiritual well-being. He is, and we'll look at that, but God is concerned with our physical well-being as well. So that encourages me because you recognize that many of us in this place, we give a lot of time to those who are going through physical difficulties, do we not? Many of us will visit people who are in the hospital. Many of us will see family members that are going through difficulty. And it's, it, it's wonderful to know that Jesus is concerned about those cases as well. He's not just concerned about people's salvation. Oh, he is. He is also concerned about their whole entire life and their work. And he attends to her physical needs. I say that we ought to look for an opportunity. 
Sometimes that opportunity may be right before us. And sometimes the opportunity may be the physical affliction that somebody is going through. It may be the moment of ministry that we have. We should look for those opportunities. You may get tired of me saying this, but I'm going to keep saying it anyway, okay? You should never count on the church calendar to fulfill all of your work in ministry. You should never look to the church calendar simply to fulfill your ministry. What do you mean by that? It means you and I have, yes, been called to serve collectively as a church, and there are great times of ministry we'll have days when you can be hands-on there there will be days of of missions overseas those are wonderful we need to we need to plan them but listen those should not be the only moments you take part in ministry and hands-on missions if you're counting on the church calendar to fulfill your ministry for you you're going to be so frustrated and unsatisfied don't wait upon the church calendar to Take advantage of the opportunity God has given you. If God's put it in front of you, if he has allowed it to come very close to home, you leave a healing presence in that individual's life. And it may be a physical affliction. It may be somebody that's going through sickness. It may be somebody that's just experienced death, and yet you are right there, and God wants you to minister. Too many of us wait for the church calendar. But Dr. Reggie, we just don't have enough opportunities. We don't have enough scheduled events. And yet, God has given so many of us opportunities right before us. Don't wait on the church calendar to schedule your ministry opportunity. And don't wait, listen to me, Don't wait on the church budget to pay for your ministry opportunity. Dwight, where are you, my friend? You do what God's called you to do. May I share with you one of the most frustrating moments that I've ever had in my life? One of the most frustrating moments I've ever had. I was out on a Friday around lunch taking part in a fundraiser, if you will, for a local food pantry. We were serving up gumbo, about $5 a bowl. And we were scooping it up. Somebody had made it for us, and we were selling those, and we were giving all the proceeds to the food pantry. And I was sitting there, and I mean, I was working. I know that's hard for you, some of you believe, but I was working... And some of the other folks had not showed up for their uh, their scheduled time. And so I was continuing to do that. And all of a sudden, I, I got a, a, little, a little peck on the shoulder. And I looked around, and I saw this lady. Now, if you had known this lady, you would probably understand why this is one of the most frustrating moments of my life, okay? Oh, she was a church member. But she could be sometimes frustrating. She She looked at me while I was doing this, and... She said, uh, Brother Reggie, she said, I've got this guy here, and uh, he needs some help. 
I said, okay. Said, uh, I was over at the food pantry and it's closed today. And uh, I was here and there. And, and uh, I, I mean, he, he, he needs some help. I said, gotcha. We'll, we'll try, to, try to do something. Uh, do, do you think that you could, uh, you think you could uh, buy him some gumbo here? And I said, I probably can make that happen. Don't know why you didn't just buy the gumbo, but I can probably make it happen. Do you sense a little bitterness still coming out of me? <laughs> so I said, here we go. I took my money out and said, we'll go ahead and we'll buy this gumbo. Oh, he's got a family of five, Brother Reggie. It's not just him, but it's a, okay, <clears throat> we will do that. And, uh, yeah, and, and she began saying, could, could you, you think you could call somebody? You know, you know some of the people here in the community. Could you call them right now? And could you, and, 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 and we went through all those processes. But, you know, I, I came away from that. And, yes, I was a little aggravated. Not because I had to pay. But what I wanted to say is, this was your ministry opportunity. It's not that you don't have the funds. I know this lady. She had the funds. It's not that she couldn't have just taken care of it is rather that she was so dependent upon me and the church and others to. And yet, my friends, you and I, yes, we are the church. When you take care of things, it is the church taking care of things. When you minister to somebody's heart and life in physical affliction, it is the church in action. You are not waiting upon the church calendar. You're not waiting on the church budget. You are simply doing what God has called you to do. And that's Jesus. Jesus comes to Simon Peter's house. He doesn't say, Simon Peter, we need to make sure that we take a collection so that we can cover my services here at this moment. He doesn't say, Simon Peter, this just doesn't fit in my schedule. He simply looks for the opportunity. Even when it is close to home. And the scripture says that he stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. He stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served him. She was healed. Reminding us again of the authoritative power of Jesus. The authoritative power that we go in. That we go in with. That we minister through the authoritative power. Now... Dr. Reggie, are you saying that you can just walk in a room and boom, you can lay hands on somebody and they're, they're just healed? I, I'm, I didn't say that. But I do believe that I walk into a hospital room with the very authority of Jesus Christ on my side and the power of Christ. And that could be a way in which you and I minister to those individuals to come with the authority of Christ and to pray on behalf of that individual recognizing yes certainly recognizing that god's will will be accomplished whether it is to bring healing in this life or whether through death for the believer bring true healing to that individual but when we pray at the bedside when we are there to encourage we should do it 
in the power and the authority of Christ. If I don't believe Jesus hasn't, has the power to heal this individual, why would I even offer a word? If I don't believe that the power of God is still just as real today as it was in the New Testament age, why would I even go to the bedside? God has called us to minister to those who are hurting, physically afflicted. Look for those opportunities and look for them right before you. In your friendships, within the lives of your neighbors, those that are right before you. Leave a healing presence. Look for that opportunity. And then take the time, take the necessary time to, do, to minister to that individual as you should. Take the necessary time. I want you to note verse 40. It says, when the sun was setting, very important here, the sun was setting, the Sabbath was coming to a close. All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him because now it was permissible according to Jewish law and custom. They come and they bring everybody that they had that's sick with all kinds of diseases and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now first, here, he, he just took the time. He took the time with them. And Jesus had had an exhausting day. He had preached in the synagogue. He had been to Simon Peter's house. He had had a full day of ministry. I'm sure he was tired. I try to convince my dad sometimes. I haven't gotten there yet, but my dad was a truck driver and drove a truck for many, many, many years. Drove locally, so he was always home. But my dad would not only drive, he was one of these guys that prided himself in getting out and working and taking care of things. And when he got home in the evenings, you could tell that he had worked. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he looked like he worked. Now, he may have been just taking a bath in grease before he came home so that mother would be convinced than the rest of us would be. But my dad worked. So sometimes I'll talk to him on Sunday afternoon or Sunday night especially, and I'll say, man, I'm tired. And he'll say, Reggie, why? What have you done today? Well, I've, I've preached, Daddy. I've preached. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Reggie, come on. He said, you preached. Wasn't like work. Here, Jesus, I'm sure he was tired. He had preached. He had ministered. He was tired in the evening. And yet, he still had time. That was the God we serve. That is the God we serve. A God who is willing to sacrifice himself, even his time, to heal individuals. And he communicated to each one in a personal way. Did you notice in verse 40 it says, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Okay, so I was reading through this and I said to myself, 
Okay, Jesus, I know what it's like to be tired at the end of a Sabbath or a Sunday. I know what it's like. So, so Jesus, if I had had your power at that point, I don't know if I would have like laid hands individually on everyone. Rather, you know what I'd done? I just said, hey, you're all healed. Boom. It's over with. Go away. Enjoy the night. Rest. Could Jesus not have done that? Did Jesus not have the power to simply speak and see healing occur in their lives? Absolutely. So why? Why would Jesus take the personal time with each and every one of them to lay hands on them? I mean, laying hands on them, that is not the only way to bring healing. So why did he do it? except that he was concerned about each one personally and he wanted to communicate his love and compassion to each one personally. And he took a moment with each one. I say to you that we ought to look for the opportunities and we ought to take the necessary time to minister to those individuals. Brother Reggie, do you know how busy I am? Do you know how, I mean, there are a lot of people that are dependent upon me and I have to get certain things done. And do Do you know how busy I am? Well, may I say to you that I've used that excuse many times as well? But this passage has convicted me because I'm not sure any of us could have even thought ourselves as busy as the Lord Jesus. With all that hell itself was throwing at him during his ministry and how he had to stand against that and then minister to individuals and direct individuals and disciple individuals and preach the good news and and he didn't even have a car to get around in. And I know that none of us in this place have had such a purpose as Jesus, the purpose of bringing salvation to the world. I mean, that was his purpose. And yet, he still stopped and ministered to people personally and physically. That should challenge us. That should challenge every one of us. That as we look for opportunities that are right around us, how can we personally minister to these individuals? How can we be hands-on in this mission and in this ministry? You know, there is something about appropriate physical touch and what it communicates to a person's life. When I visit a hospital room, I am always mindful of what Dr. Joe Cawthon said. Dr. Joe Cawthon was one of the premier pastoral ministry professors in our nation at one time in Southern Baptist life. Of course, he taught at the New Orleans Seminary, right? Baptist Theological Seminary. But there was one thing I always disagreed with Dr. Cawthon on. 
Dr. Cawthon would tell young preacher boys that when you go into the room, you got to be careful. You don't need to touch the patient himself or herself. Don't touch the patient because, you know, there are a lot of things going on and you could get it. I don't know. But I've always been one to say, if I am there and I'm in the room and I'm going to pray with the individual, if at all possible and I don't have the flu, I'm going to extend my hand and pray with them. I'm going to touch them on their hand. There's something that is communicated. Personal value and touch, at least in my life and in my ministry. There's something about ministering personally to individuals. And Jesus, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Even the demons, we've seen this before, the demons came out of many crying out, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. They came out just like they had in the synagogue that day, and they confessed who he was, but Jesus said, hey, now's not the time. It's not the moment to identify who I truly am. You just be quiet. And he ministered and took care of individuals. We must never forget that as we look for the opportunity that we must be willing as well to take the necessary time to minister to people. We should never allow the personal touch of ministry to slip away from us as a church and as a people and as individuals. Because I will tell you to this day that people still want to know if you care for them and if you're concerned for their well-being. What does it always, the old slogan is, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And Jesus was caring. He was leaving a healing presence. He had looked for the opportunity He had taken the necessary time. And then, in verses 42 through 44, he reminds us that we're to keep everything, every ministry, every opportunity, we're to keep it gospel-centered. He says in verse, it says in verse 42, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. He was tired. He removed himself at that point. He administered. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Well, I guess so. I mean, come on. We have got the doctor here that takes care of everything. We don't want him leaving Capernaum. Let's keep him in. Let's see if we can get the board of the directors at the hospital to give him an extra raise. Let's do whatever is possible to keep Jesus here. Notice, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. He said, I can't just stay here. 
Because while I am called to minister physically, that is not all. I am also called to share, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, he had done that there, right? Because you notice he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. In other words, in Capernaum, as he was ministering to people, as he was touching their physical affliction, he was also sharing to them about the kingdom of God. See, Jesus was concerned about them, but through his miracles, not only was his compassion demonstrated, but his messiahship was demonstrated as well. Because as he overcame these things, he demonstrated once again that he was Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And that was the good news. He says, I've been called to preach. In in verse 43, the word preach literally is proclaim the good news. Evangelize. I've got to go forth. Declaring the kingdom of God. New Testament view of the kingdom is that the kingdom had come through Jesus The reign of Christ, the reign of God in people's lives and hearts, it was reality. Christ was demonstrating that. And that one day the kingdom would be fulfilled. It would be consummated in Jesus' return. I've got to go preach that message. I've got to share it. Not only in Capernaum, he says, but in the other cities because they've got to hear this. And when I say that whatever ministry opportunity we have, we've got to keep it gospel-centered We must always be willing and ready to say that the reason we do what we do is because Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. That we've known him, that his kingdom has come and he reigns over our hearts and lives now and that he can reign over your heart as well. For what is the good of praying somebody back to physical health if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior? We may have bought them some time physically, but unless they come to a saving knowledge of Christ, they will never know eternal life. So it's great to do things for people. Did you hear me? It is wonderful to look for opportunities. It's wonderful to take the necessary time. But in the end, don't forget that our opportunities are given to us so that we can proclaim the kingdom of God, that Jesus is the Christ. The reason we have the ministry opportunity we have is because of Jesus. The reason we have the power and the authority to speak and to minister is because of Jesus. The reason an individual has hope today is because of Jesus. That's the good news. And you always keep your ministry gospel-centered. Leaving a healing presence. God has called us to look for the opportunities. He's called us to take the necessary time with people. And in the end, he's called us to share the good news of Christ. That's a hands-on mission. And that's what he's called us to be about. Let's pray together. Father.
Lord, we come before you and we praise your name. We praise you because you so faithfully stuck to your purpose and your mission. And Lord, through you, we have life today. And Lord, you have ministered to us and you continue to minister to us in a physical, emotional, and spiritual way. Now, God, we pray you challenge us, though, as we carry on that work, as we are your feet and your hands, that this week we would look for that mission's opportunity. That this week you would allow us to take the necessary time. That this week you would let us just share the good news. And God, help us to do it in power and the strength. And Lord, help us to see your kingdom advance. Lord, we are desperately in need of you. We confess that today. And yet, Lord, we know that through your strength and through your power, we can accomplish things that we could have never imagined. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we have this hymn of invitation? Maybe you need to come and respond at the altar and pray and ask God for that strength and help. Maybe you need to come, be saved. Maybe today you just need to come to pray for somebody else that's going through a physical affliction. Would you just come as God calls you?